you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Don't do it. Don't make me laugh. <laughs> Stop. Mary Beth. You started it. I, I, I started it. Sh- you went, mer- you went, mer- and then you had a look on your face. That is how this started. Yeah. Um, you go in the corner. Bye. Go pout in the corner with Misu. <laughs> and welcome back to Sk- Gosh. Nope. 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 That's not it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Off to a really good start. one of these days. One of these days, <laughs> this will be professional. And and it, welcome back to Little Cuts. That's the word I was looking for. Our weekly mini so where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry, and I am Mary Beth. Uh, this week we're talking about the sound of silence, murderous dogs, and getting our on. So I have to ask. I think we've talked about this before, but d- d- have you ever heard Kiki Ki Ma Ma Ma, or do you hear Ch 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 I hear Kiki Ki Ma 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 only because that's the one I've that's what I've always seen spelled out. So I think I was just programmed to think that for the longest time. I always thought it was Ch 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 Ha Ha, and then come to find out later on that it is actually you're right, Kiki Ki Ma Ma Ma, because it's Kill 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 Ma Ma Ma. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really have not given Friday the 13th very much thought, which is terrible. Sorry to everyone who loves that franchise. But um, anyway, so murderous dogs. Murderous dogs. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's been kind of like the conversation du jour on Twitter <laughs> where like everyone seems to have opinions on this Cruella movie. And I really liked it. Okay. 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 You are one of the first people I have heard to have a positive opinion on it which i'm excited to hear i think joe also really likes it but okay. um cool. i thought this movie was fantastic i had a fucking blast watching it this is the first time i dropped 30 dollars on the fucking premiere access for disney and i was not mad about it 
I oh. spent $30 to watch this movie and I was not mad about it. So, I, I mean, you know the story. It's a prequel about Cruella DeVille. You kind of go through her life as an early orphan where her she her mother is killed by a trio of Dalmatians in the opening scene. And I've seen that video across Twitter and people have, you know, kind of dunked on it. But there is context to this that actually makes it work, in my opinion. Okay. I was going to say, because I saw that on Twitter, I was like, I, I, lo- I, I love how trash that is. <laughs> I mean, when I saw that, on, when, I, when I saw it, and I had, I had not seen Twitter, that Twitter video that I saw that afterwards, but when I saw it, my mouth was like, <gasps> what did I just witness? Like, it was very like, what the fuck? And then afterwards, like, once you start to like, the plot unfurls and you start to learn more, it all makes sense. But yeah, so her mom is killed by Dalmatians. She ends up living in London with two um, pickpocketers. And then we sort of cut to her being an adult and trying to be a fashion, like getting into the fashion industry because she's always loved fashion. And that was the whole reason that her mom wanted to go to London with her was so that she would get into the fashion industry. And so she ends up working for the Baroness played to like camp perfection by Emma Thompson and giving us sort of like a devil wears Prada type vibe to it, in my opinion. Hell yeah. And then she discovers something about, uh, Corella discovers something about, uh, the Baroness and the story goes from there. And I have to say that maybe it's cause I wasn't expecting a whole lot from the plot, but some of the twists kind of surprised me. Like I was, I was, disarmed enough that I wasn't thinking about the plot so that when the twist happened, it's like, holy shit, that actually like surprised me. And I love it when a movie can do that. I, okay. So obviously there's been a lot of hate and saying that it's not a good movie and dunking on it. I saw a fucking clip of when she got dumped out of a dumpster and she unfurled her dress and it was not trash, but a dress. And I was like, wait, why are we dunking on this movie? Cause that's the coolest shit I've ever seen. Oh my God. <laughs> like, the fashion? That is gorgeous. The fashion yeah. in this movie is like, it's fierce. Her performance is fantastic. I think it's well acted. I think Craig Gillespie directs the fucking shit out of this movie. Like it is, he's the guy that did, he did I, Tanya and Lars and the Real Girl. Okay. Huh. He directs the absolute crap out of this movie. I, as far as the direction goes and as far as the cinematography goes, this, I don't know how you could fault this movie. It is a little long with credits. I believe it's like, two out two and a half two hours and 15 minutes maybe or something like that two hours and 20 somewhere around that but like there's 15 minutes of credits so it's actually like 205 Uh, it's still a long movie about it is a long origin story of a disney film (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm just gonna say i think this is the best live action thing that disney has done and i think it's the best movie that disney has done in a very long time sorry not sorry i love this movie Okay. Well, like I'm then going I'm... to probably buy it when it comes out, even after I drop thirty bucks on it. Shit. I love this. This was like my shit. Fuck yeah. Okay. Wow. That sells me on it. Cause like <laughs> I've seen all like the, well I've seen all the, like the nasty shit on Twitter, but at the same time in my head I'm like, but it's about a woman who wants to make a coat out of Dalmatians, so like it's going to be kind of dumb, like or like silly. It's not going to be like I, don't I know. mean, quite, it was quite. It's the cool of. It's full of cool fashion. Just pretty oh. to look at. Just the trailer. It's it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous looking film. And yeah, I mean, I don't mind if I don't mind if dogs get killed. I'm sorry. 
Not in real life. Let me clarify. <laughs> let me let me clarify that point say, so like, it's not like you might have to edit that out. Of the <laughs> Gonna get canceled. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. When pets die in movies, I it doesn't bother. I mean, it, it bothers me, but it's like it doesn't not, like make this me is the way that a lot of people are. I'm like, not rushing not, to does the dog die dot com. I was gonna say you're not fervently checking that every time you see a movie no and in fact sometimes i think it's it's great like in the pool the moment in the pool mm, have you seen the pool I, I have not seen the pool but i i don't i i don't know the exact specifications of the moment but like i am aware of the moment of what you speak love it <laughs> <laughs> uh this is probably the last episode i'll ever do of a podcast but <laughs> This has been the final episode of Scarred for Life. <laughs> uh, I also, bef so before, I mean, because I know the next movie we're going to both talk about. So before we do get to that, I just want to point out, I also that um, if you are listening to this on the day it comes out, Lisey's story has uh, debuted on Apple TV, and I'm not going to talk about it because I have a whole podcast. Spoiler alert that I'm doing with Joe Lipset on the Anatomy of a Screen podcast network called Nightmares and Dreamscapes. And we are tackling each episode and that will come out on Saturday. So little plug, but just sort of, yeah, go go listen to that if you're following along. Do you like it so far? I do. Okay. Um, it's cool. not what I was expecting. It's kind of it's very slow. OK, but I am enjoying it. Cool. And I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I'm yeah, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Sweet. So. Let's talk about the sound of silence. Not really about not much silence in this one in a quiet place. <laughs> part two. Not a silent. Part two. Not a silent. So um so quiet place part two. I know we both saw this. This was the first movie I've seen back in movie theaters. Very exciting. I saw it at twelve thirty PM on my birthday last week. It was mm. a very good time. Um picking up where we left off from a quiet place part one. Leaving that farm, trying to figure out what to do after survivalist dad John Krasinski got got caught by our strange <laughs> creatures who are affected by sound. And if they can't hear you, they can't eat you. And so this basically has our, our family minus John Krasinski going off to find um, another person, Ken, who's played by the hot Killian Murphy. And it's <sighs> about them once again trying to survive in a quiet place. <laughs> I'm not selling it very well, am I? <laughs> uh, I've just, for some reason, I have that Rihanna song in my head now. Um, except instead of like, we found love in a we something found place. love in a quiet place. <laughs> we found survival in a quiet place. Part two. Uh, <laughs> um, so did you yeah. like, did you so, like it? I did i liked most of it i think that the dialogue they added was okay. absolutely cheeseball i liked it better when they were not speaking um it felt very much like very kind of like aspirational like and like i'll always love you and like it's it just feels very cheesy like the whole every time they spoke to each other it felt very contrived and what i liked about when they could not speak is like the nuance of the facial expressions and the performances that the actors gave without being able to speak. It was amazing. And in the parts of this film where they don't speak again, like 
these these performances are absolutely stellar. So I don't really know why we added more dialogue into it because like I just think whoever wrote the script didn't do a great job with that particular. What I'm hearing is that John Krasinski is a better director than he is a writer. One thousand percent what I'm saying. Because a quiet. (laughs) Sorry. Because a quiet. The first A Quiet Place was written by Brian Woods, Scott Beck, and John Krasinski. But it was based on a story by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. And I have a feeling that they probably wrote the bulk of the dialogue. And this new movie is just written by John Krasinski. And he doesn't know how to write. He knows how to write an action sequence. I will say the opening scene, that's like a pre, like that happened, it's like the day of when everything went to shit. Oh. That was pretty fucking cool. Like that, that got me. Cool. That was really well done. I think that part was really well done. So I think, and a, a lot of the scenes with the monsters, the action sequences where people are being chased, they're fighting, those are really well done. But like the human connection, it just didn't, I didn't, it was not selling me this time. Like it just didn't connect. I, I agree with that. I, I do think the the first one had a bit more of an emotional core to it. And I, I think... I, I definitely felt like I resonated more in terms of like the story of the first one and the, mm-hmm. the emotional side of things. And I, I mean, I don't really remember the dialogue in the first one, so I can't really comment on that. But the dialogue in this one, I agree when you can hear it, <laughs> it's a little cheesy because I do think the dialogue is really turned down, or at least in my in my theater. It was like turned down, but there's a point where it's like I felt like Emily Blunt's character is trying to per, like – say some very important things and i'm like straining to the to the side to the screen like what are you what are you saying are you saying something yeah well like there wasn't a lot of the the dialogue in the first one it was all done there was no speaking it was all sign language or like facial expressions so there was was trying to remember there was barely any like if there was there was barely any like actual spoken lines of dialogue Mm -hmm. so that's why in this one i was like that was a bad choice i just I think it also, but it ruins that whole novelty. Like, yeah, they're in a place maybe where they can talk, but this one, it felt so much more. I felt the stress. Like in the first one, you felt bad for eating fucking popcorn and watching that movie. Like I will say, oh my like, God. that was stressful. <laughs> this one was not as stressful to me. I guess maybe because I knew what to expect, but this one also didn't. This one was, I feel like so much more invested in showing more monster action. So it wasn't as tense as the first one where it felt that felt more like survivalist focusing on the family and like how they're going to survive with her having a baby and all that stuff. But this one, it felt much more like a monster movie, if that makes sense. Like it it was more about the spectacle of the monsters and those kinds of moments, I thought. So an aliens to an alien. Exactly. Yeah. Though. Maybe, like, a knockoff version of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I don't think John Krasinski's a bad director. I just don't necessarily think he's, like, a visionary either. I kept getting, like, vibes of um, The Last of Us in this. Yes! Just in terms of, like... <gasps> yes! I, like, I, you had the kind of, like, the grizzled um, man who's hot playing by Killian Murphy and he's with uh, the daughter most of the time. And it just like, it felt like that kind of relationship that I've seen in the last of us play out between, you know, the lead character and, and the, the the kid in that movie, Ellie and Joel. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. It felt like I'd seen it before. Whereas like the first movie felt 
novel, I guess, because of the the quiet aspect of it. And it's funny that you bring up that you feel bad about eating popcorn in that first movie, because I remember sitting in the theater and like it would be deathly quiet and then you'd hear a crunch as someone was like eating nachos. And then there was like nervous laughter because it was like just it was so quiet in that one. Yeah, I, I, this, I think this movie is a good follow up. Um, I am curious to see what they're going to do with the third movie if they yeah. do a third movie, because it definitely feels it has a very abrupt ending. Yeah, that was annoying. But the editing, though, I have to say there is like a se- there's like a, one particular sequence where the characters are spread out in I think three different locations and it keeps like cutting between them as the tension is constantly building between all three set pieces. And that really worked for me. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I think a lot of the editing and action stuff, like the tension building, I think is really well done. I, mm-hmm. I really had a lot of fun watching it. I jumped, I yelled, like it was a great time. So I don't think it, I enjoyed it a lot and I think it was a good time. I just don't think, I think that John Krasinski made a mistake in adding more and kind mm-hmm. of forgetting what made it so scary. The first one so intense and opting for more action. But again, it wasn't bad. No, I had a really good time. Me too. Good. Going back to the movie theater experience, huh? It was. Um, I was fucking dying. Okay. I will say the one thing that like I could not stop laughing about, no matter how hard I tried not to think about it, was the baby in the fucking box with the tiny oxygen mask. <laughs> <laughs> like they're just carrying around a baby in a box with oxygen mask. It's got a little bit. It's got a tiny baby oxygen mask. And they're just... <laughs> Uh. <laughs> you know, now but that I'm not- thinking about it, oh, <laughs> uh, like- listeners, if you could see Mary Beth's face, it's just- <laughs> sorry. What's in the box? A baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's weird, though, that I have watched two movies this last weekend featuring things that I don't like to see in movies, which is babies and animals. I don't mind if either of them get killed in movies. Well, you just saw the baby getting thrown around in that goddamn box for an hour and a half. Oh, I know. That baby's going to have brain damage by the end of this, this series. That poor baby. Anyway. I couldn't stop laughing about it. It was so funny to me. I was like, that just seems like a lot of work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Where did they get a mask that small? I know. Where did they get a mask that small? <laughs> and then Noah Jupe puts it on his face. And he's just like, anyway. <laughs> Things that Ridiculous. I probably shouldn't have focused on, but I could not stop thinking about. Because it's like, <laughs> I feel like half the movie is I'm trying to make sure the baby doesn't fucking cry. And it's in an insulated box that they're carrying around. Anyway. Uh, transitioning from uh, being very quiet to being very loud. Uh, what remake did we <laughs> tackle this week? Oh, all right. <laughs> Do you like my segue? I'll give you, I'll give you like, I'll give you like a, a B minus for that okay. one. That's, um, that's we... better than I probably deserve. <laughs> We watched the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th. <laughs> Starring Jared Padalecki. Mm, he's a very attractive man. So I was never on the Supernatural train. I just never got Me into neither. Supernatural. But he is beautiful. He is. He's he's very attractive. 
Uh, so this was your first watch. What did you think? I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I really had fun. It was so I sometimes watch these movies while I'm working, and I'd mentioned this before. Like Steve sits next to me in our office, and he looks over sometimes, and I was like, "What's on? What's on the docket today?" And he looked over and actually like kept watching this one. He particularly our particularly favorite moment is um which I think really encapsulates the best of all of this movie is when Jason stabs a machete through the slats of the the <laughs> um of the uh the dock. The, little, the dock and pulls the girl out of the water and her just her tits are out. Yep, just pulls her yeah. up just enough to show her tits and then pause and back in the water. Like it's just so dumb. But it knows it's dumb. Also, the cold open is fucking awesome. Okay. Cold open. 23 what? fucking minute cold open. Like Empty Man. I, I want to do a listicle now of like the best horror cold opens because Empty Man and this one are two very fucking good cold opens. Holy I shit. I have to say, I, I think the cold open of this is the best part of the film. For, for a number of reasons. One, I feel like the characters get more character development in 10 minutes than... Most oh, yeah. any other Friday the 13th movie or the rest of the characters in this movie. Um, I I laugh so much at, at the one character, Richie, um, who is played by Ben Feldman. And oh, yeah. He he's is in just a, like, As Above, So Below. He's the nerdy hot. He's the nerdy love interest in As Above, I mean, So he, Below. I, I think he's I think he's very attractive, too. But like him trying him and his friend and his friend is trying to like talk to him about GPS. And he is looking past him at his girlfriend. He's just like, I want to fuck you. He's like mouthing the words like and she's like, oh, and she's pulling down her shirt and whatnot. That scene is like that flirtiness of like. It, it it's verging into gratuitous, but it like feels more real than any of the other nudity in the in the well, film. It feels like funny. It doesn't just feel like right. oh, you want to fuck me? It, <laughs> it's like porn star. That was the best. That was the best. <laughs> That was me trying to portray the difference between very porny and very like. I swear to God, I've watched porn before too, and that just made it sound like I have only ever like heard someone talk about porn, like just a mention of it on the breeze. Uh, um, but no, I know exactly yeah, yes. what you mean. <laughs> I do think the biggest problem with with this remake is that they kill off the most interesting and likable characters, and then fill the rest with the most boring, stereotypical, bobbleheaded people. Mm-hmm. That is going to be my complaint. Oh, and Jared Padlecki. Um, but that would be my my biggest complaint about the last two thirds of the film. But um, I think it's I do think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. My, oh, my other. <laughs> there were parts where I was la- I it, it felt like it was trying to be really smart. And I think it it almost succeeded in some moments. Like the part where he, he's, she's like, oh, yeah, you like rap. He's like, why are you going to say I like rap? Is it because I'm black? That's not like cool of you to just assume that. And then she goes, oh, that was stupid of me. Like, what is it? And he said rap and i was like it's kind of funny it seemed like they were Mm -hmm. trying to play with these like horror expectations but i don't think it does it enough that it feels super purposeful if you know what i mean like i mean yeah i I know exactly what you're talking about because like i was like oh okay that feels considering that this movie was in 2009 too it feels like appropriately 
in the 2009 version of like wokeness of sort of like playing with expectations at that time like very obviously being like is it because i'm black like being very obvious and mm-hmm. ham-fisted about their but best line in the movie you got perfect nipple placement baby your breasts are stupendous which okay actually it was my favorite i was like this is hysterical like this is very funny to me (laughs) but what also makes it work so so great is that the before that he and i should have started with this first he says so juicy dude and then he's like you got perfect nipple placement baby and he's talking to the same person at this point i'm just like she's naked and riding him like they are in uh the middle of having sex Uh uh-huh incredible I will. My other favorite line, though, is when the stoner boy, played by Aaron Yu, who I love, goes, I want to die and be reincarnated as the button on the <laughs> ass pocket of her denim shorts. And I was like, some of this writing is very funny. It's very mm-hmm. 2009. Like, it is very 2009, but it's really funny in a way that is just like, yep, that was what comedy was. And you know what? Not bad. Some of it's pretty funny. I do have a question, though. Is Jason a weed grower? Okay, thank you. Is he a pot farmer? I I would... I hope not, because no pot farmer should be that angry. <laughs> <laughs> like, please, get high but he's introduced. He's introduced when they stumble across the weed thing, and then he... The weed farm, and then he kills the one dude, and then he ends up following the, the redneck to his his uh house after he's like taking a big bo- bag of weed and i'm like are we angry because they stole our weed i mean that was probably a lot of weed that's probably a lot of money yeah but so i guess this is jason's grow up he's not getting revenge <laughs> he's just trying to protect his weed operation yeah also the story I will of a say boy it and his weed very hysterical that he just like found the hockey mask like that whole moment of him just finding it and putting it on i was like, <sighs> like uh-huh Fine. Well, and and speaking of the uh, Aaron Yu, the, the stoner dude, when he's like, uh, "Are you looking for this?" Because it completes your outfit. Is he like holds up the hockey stick to to Jason? I love him. I like. I think I just have a soft spot for the stoner boy. Like he has the suitcase with like the multi piece bong that he cut, <laughs> takes out, and it's like this is he na- has she has a name and she's beautiful. It's like the 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 coffee cup bong in a cabin in the woods, or the pot pinata. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which not a good early two thousands horror movie if there isn't a stoner character who is carrying around paraphernalia or just a ton of weed in the Absolutely. Same director too, by the way, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I definitely think I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre better than than Friday the thirteenth, I will say. Yeah, I do too. Although I will say that I do I honestly think that the twenty three minute cold open is just as close to perfection. It's as close to what I would want a Friday the 13th movie to be, um, for sure. I agree. 100%. Yeah. Sweet. All so right. what's our next, what's our next, uh, aughts remake, Terry? Uh, okay. So we are going to, because of, uh, army of the dead and Zack Snyder, we're going to go rewatch, uh, well rewatch for me, watch for you for the first time. 2004's Dawn of the dead. So excited. Which I love because it was written by James Gunn. That's right. Damn, I forget what he's involved with sometimes. Like the weird, cool shit he's done. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? So on Monday, we are talking with paranormal expert and creepy stories podcaster Sapphire Sandalo. And we are talking about 1987's Dolls, a.k.a. What the Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the uh, fuck? What the fuck? Yes. So um, definitely listen to Scary Stories of Sapphire, though, if you want to catch, mm. if you want to get a taste for what her podcasts are like. It's very good. And shameless plug, I'll be on an episode later this summer talking about Hell my creepy yeah. haunted house where I grew up. So oh, I can't wait to listen to that. I know. And she's such a wonderful person. You all she should really just go she is listen so, to her stuff. Her voice is very soothing. She's very articulate she has like a really good eye for what's scary a really good way of interviewing people and she's just like super talented and creative she does like everything it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. she's Um, so talented it's amazing it's 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 frustrating how talented (laughs) she is because she just does like literally everything this is a sapphire sandala stand podcast now um Mm -hmm. thank you and have a good night (laughs) (laughs) um but listeners you've heard from us but we want to hear from you did you watch one of the films that we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things that we should w- talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McGanders. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>